0: Grandstand Stand, ABC ABC's Grandstand on radio, online, and on digital radio. Gives himself room and swings across the line. Didn't time it all that well. Out to Cow Corner.
1: This
2: is Cow Corner ABC Grandstand's cricket show. On Cow Corner today, he's fit and focused. And ready for a long stretch on the road. The skipper, Michael Clark, goes one-on-one with Grandstand's Jim Maxwell. Also today, we'll preview the fifth and final test between India and England at the Oval. This is Cow Corner with myself, Peter Newlands, on Grandstand Digital, on iTunes, and on Radio Australia across the Pacific, as I welcome my co-host once again to the program, Dan Lonigan. Dan, welcome to you with a decider coming up in London this week, England versus India.
0: That's right, Pete. Gee, India has to play a lot better than it has been. How poor were they in the fourth test? I mean, that was a disgraceful performance. The test match was over inside three days, and they had rain on the second day, so it could have been a test match decided in two days. I mean, they're an interesting side, India, on the road, aren't they? If they're not interested, they're not interested, and they get dismissed pretty quickly, and uh, their batting display was deplorable and embarrassing. The bowling display was okay, but... The batsman again, didn't step up. When you're four for eight on the first day, in fact, the first day of a test match, you're going to be in real trouble, aren't you?
2: Michael Vaughan described the performance of India as embarrassing. Simon Hughes described it as embarrassing and gutless. Uh, they were bowled out in a, total, a combined total of 89.4 overs. That is less than a day's play. That's bowled out twice and England absolutely ran away with it. If India had batted out that third day, rain might have saved them later in the Test match because there was a lot of rain around Manchester, so it, it wasn't an edifying performance from India. Can they regroup and produce something on what what might be a flat oval wicket over the weekend? Well, let's, we'll find out when we go to London and speak to, to Jared Kimber. but... India tend to do things on their own terms. In between games, they've been going to EPL matches and a bit of archery and a bit of shooting. No sort of match practice to speak of in between test matches. So uh, where India really is at as a, as a test match force, I'm personally not very sure. Away from I home mean, anyway. I
0: mean, you're right, Pete. They're keen on playing well at home. If they play well at home, they're happy with that. If they don't play well on the road, it doesn't matter because no one's really putting pressure on them because they tend to run world cricket anyway. So they'll just go and uh, play the way they want to play. They might have one good test match overseas, whether it be in Australia where they're coming this summer or whether it might be in England, as you say, having won one of those test matches. But there are some shockers in the middle of that and at the end of that. And, uh, I mean, I've never seen a team who should be a good test side play as badly as they did against a team, let's face it, who are not going all that well at the moment, in England.
2: What about the news during the week, Dan, that Syed Ajmal has uh, been uh, uh, called in because of a suspect bowling action, not for the first time in his career. The ICC appears to be taking more of a control of this issue of, of uh, illegal bowling actions, and Ajmal will play the second test against Sri Lanka. Beyond that, he'll have to go to some independent testing, and we'll see what happens. But there's been a few names... Uh, uh, that have been uh, uh, called out this season, this uh, year so far in international cricket. Williamson from New Zealand, Schillingsman from the West Indies, uh, Senan Yaika uh, from Sri Lanka. Do you think the ICC is taking a new stance? Can you detect anything different in their approach to, to dodgy bowling actions? Such a such fundamental issue in this game.
0: I'm not sure, Peter. I think that because they changed the way that your action could be circulated, if you know what I mean, in regard to the amount of degrees that you could go with your action. Ever since they've done that, I think there's been uh, levity given to the bowler who may have a slight suspect action. And unless they say that there can be absolutely no degrees whatsoever in regard to the arm being bent, you're in diabolical trouble uh, of actually being able to police and resolve the issue. Now, say that Ajmal has come into Test cricket late in his career... He's got a terrific record. Uh, you're right, he'll get a chance to play this test match and then he'll have to go and uh, try and remodify his action. Whether that changes things, I'm not sure. And the skipper, he's, um, he's had a rest, Michael Clark.
2: He's been to his West Tigers games and done a bit of sailing in the Sydney to Gold Coast race. On board Loyal and he's fresh, he's fit and uh, he's ready to churn out some big
0: runs on the road over the next what? Let's, what? 12 to 18 months. It's going to be a busy time, isn't it, Pete? The Test Series in Pakistan or against Pakistan. Of course, they've got the one-day series against South Africa and Zimbabwe. Test Series in India, the World Cup. It doesn't stop. And uh, Michael Clarke, of course, is going to be, as you say, at the forefront of Australian cricket and obviously the key to this team. We'll hear from him
2: next, Dan, on Cow Corner, speaking to Grandstand's
0: very own Jim Maxwell.
2: This is Cow Corner. This is Cow Corner on Grandstand Digital, on iTunes and on Radio Australia across the Pacific with myself, Peter Newlands and Dan Lonergan. After spending the off-season watching his favourite NRL team, the West Tigers, and even doing a bit of sailing, he crewed on board Loyal in the Sydney to Gold Coast Ocean Race earlier this winter, Michael Clarke is rested and keen to go ahead of a busy stretch on the road. It'll all culminate with a World Cup at home next February, March, and of course an Ashes series in England next year. As his downtime comes to an end, Michael Clark sat down with Grandstands' Jim
3: Maxwell. So, Michael, um, refreshed looking ahead to this campaign, which is a huge one over the next six, nine months?
4: Yeah, certainly a refreshed, Jim. I think um, all the boys are at a stage who are sick of training. We want to get back into to playing some cricket. Don't get me wrong, it's been nice to spend the winter at home and watch a bit of footy. Um, I'd like to see the tiger's winning a few more games, but uh, it has been nice, but yeah I think um, I think we're ready now to get back into it. so you'd rather be playing cricket than sailing I think I'm a lot more comfortable playing cricket than sailing <laughs> don't get me wrong it was uh, it was a it was a tough challenge. We raised close to six hundred thousand dollars for charity, so I'm really happy I did it and experienced it but I think it's confirmed that I'm a lot more comfortable uh, with my feet on the ground rather than. In the ocean. So you've got a Sydney Hobart penciled in at some point in the future? Oh, I'm not sure i got it in my gym, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not game to say no because Anthony Bell will kill me. Um, but, yeah, let's wait until my career's over before I have to worry about that. Yeah, well,
3: you've, you've got a bit to go, haven't you, with this <laughs> career? And, I hope so. Uh, and a lot of us who saw you weather the the Mornay-Morkel storm in Cape Town to be thinking, God, you don't want to go
4: through that too often. But, uh, that was one of your better moments, wasn't it? Uh, well, it was, uh, uh, as captain of the Australian team, no doubt, that was a, an amazing series and for us to win was was very special. And to win that game in the way That's you won it game. in the end. Yeah. Um, personally, I'd like to be able to walk out and bat and not get hit five or six times all over my body at 150 Ks, but look, I think... That was another example of you know what happens in professional sport. It's it's a challenge. It's you versus the other guy, and you know at times you got to take that brunt to to see the other side of it. So, like I say, it's what impressed me was the way the boys played and the fact that we were able to win such a such a major series in in South Africa's own backyard against the number one team in the world. Um, we're very proud of, of achieving that, but again, it shows that if we do all the right things we work extremely hard and um, keep trying to improve our game, then I think we can, we can get to where we want to get to as a group.
3: So where do you think you've taken this team? You've got an immediate challenge coming up in a few months, test cricket in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, where England, of course, got wiped out by Saeed Ajmal a few years ago. Yeah. That looks a challenge.
4: That would definitely be a challenge. I think that's probably the, the, the main area for us of concern at the moment is that over the last couple of years, our form away from home hasn't been as consistent as we would like. Um, the positive side is our most recent tour to South Africa. We won away from home, so that's a great start for us. But to be the number one team in the world, you need to be able to win both at home and away. So, you know, that's a, that's a huge challenge for us. And The challenge is across the spectrum you 've got
3: three forms of the game, well two primarily coming up with one day cricket and test cricket, yeah, so is there a sense of sort of anticipation with some of your players he needs a rest he 's going to break down
4: I hope not I hope that 's not the case i think we've we've seen over the last twelve months that it 's about getting guys on the park and Pushing as hard as you possibly can, and if they break down, well, then they break down, and somebody else comes in and, and tries to, to fill that role. I don't think you can babysit players. I, I don't want to see us, you know. And again, this is only my opinion as captain. I'm, I'm not a selector, I'm not on, um, you know, I'm not looking after guys' bodies in regards to the medical staff, so they will have their opinion. But as captain of the team, I want to win every game we play. I want to see us put our best team on the park at every opportunity um, in all three forms of the game. Obviously, there's times that that can't happen because guys are injured, but I don't want to see it not happen because we're trying to rest somebody from a series because we think there's a, a more important series coming up. In in my eyes, every time you play for Australia, it's important. And I guess my message to to the current group of players for both Test and One Day teams is exactly that: focus on today. Don't worry about what's coming in six months or twelve months. Or you know, oh, I don't prepare any different to play against India or South Africa or Sri Lanka. Then I do to play an Ashes series against England. My preparation's exactly the same. I want to make runs no matter who I'm playing against um, and I want to win and that's probably you know, something that's in the front of my mind. That, that's what matters. Winning is what matters. So we've got to do whatever it takes to, to help the team have success.
3: You've always been an admirer of, of, of Phil Hughes. Do you see him stepping up at some point in the next few months, getting back
4: into the test side? Uh, well, I think Hughes is a really good example of someone that continues to score big runs. I think you look at his first-class record, um, he's probably got more hundreds um, than any other player at his age. He's making runs consistently for Australia A, so I think he's doing everything he can to be in the front of the selector's minds. Now it's about the selector's working out what our best squads are for, for when we travel and um, the opposition we're playing, the conditions we're playing in. And then we go from there and then we work out what after we've got our score, we work out what we think the best eleven is. So he certainly can't be too far away from their from their minds, that's for sure. Like I say, his performances speak for themselves and he's got a he's got a bright future. He's a he's a hundred test player in my opinion. He's just got to get an opportunity now and then I'm sure he'll grab it with both hands. But I think in, you know, ten years from now we'll be talking about Philip Hughes's one of those players to play 100 test matches for Australia and he's got the talent he's got the work ethic Um, I I guess what I love most about Husey is his passion and want to play for Australia you know he will you ask him to do something he'll do it if it helps him you know get in this Australian team he's a good guy to have around the group so I've always uh, I've always liked him I've got a lot of respect for, for him and I know he'll He'll play a lot of cricket for Australia in the future.
3: I mean, confidence is obviously a big thing in sport. Uh, what does it mean to to Australian cricket and to Nathan Lyon in particular that he's been drawn into the the One Day fold, not just Test cricket now?
4: I think it's exciting for Lyon. There's no doubt about it. I think he's obviously you know fighting with a number of spinners in the, in the One Day squad. So for him to get an opportunity on this tour is is important for him. I think um, Gaz did himself a lot of favours through the summer the way he bowled. Um, there's no doubt he can he can bowl in. In all three forms of the game. I don't doubt that at all. It's just about him getting a chance and then now trying to grab it with both hands. On the other side of that, I think Xavier Doherty's done a a, a fantastic job for us in the shorter format. And I know Doherty will be working his backside off to to try and get back into the team. So, you know, and two fantastic fellas that, you know, whoever's selected, I don't mind having around the group. They're two great guys. They both get on very well um, and they'll compete against each other. I think that's one of the greatest things about this current group is they're happy, you know, we're all happy to compete against each other to help each other get better. So I'm sure that Nathan and and Doe have probably spoken about a little bit about one-day cricket and what Doe has learnt in the shorter form of the game to to help Nath. But, yeah, look, he's been given a chance and I'm confident he'll he'll grab it.
3: So of all the challenges that are coming up in the next six months, what's the biggest? Is the one you want to single out?
4: Winning. That's the biggest challenge. Regularly? Every game. Every game we play, we want to win. I know it's probably not realistic. We probably can't win every game you play but there's no reason why you can't have that goal that's the only challenge you face you know it's about getting yourself right every single day over a long period of time to be able to back up day after day and and help and contribute and help your team have success Um, and in different conditions like I say we go to Zimbabwe then we come back and go to Dubai then we come back and play in Australia you know completely different parts of the world completely different conditions heat food culture environment That's international cricket, and the best teams in the world find ways to win no matter where they play.
0: Australian cricket captain Michael Clarke with Grandstands Jim Maxwell having a chat about what is a busy time coming up for him and the Australian cricket team. Some very interesting things he said there, Pete. Of course, when Michael Clarke talks as captain of the Australian team, everyone tends to listen and he's got a big job ahead of him once again. 100 tests for Phil Hughes. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. You know my view on that. I know he's only 25 and he's played 26 already, but he's had four cracks at it. He's very good at the next level below. I know he made a double century for Australia A in these Australia A matches uh, against a variety of nations recently, but just not convinced at test level or at the highest level that he's going to be able to establish a permanent spot.
2: Well, he's uh, already knocking on the door. Big runs in all formats including our own domestic uh, competitions. We'll just strengthen his case as time goes on. I'm looking forward to talking about the uh, England-India decider at the Oval, Dan. And next up, we'll head to London and we'll speak with Jared Kimber ahead of the fifth test match.
0: This is Cow Corner, ABC Grandstands Cricket Show. This is Cow Corner with Dan Lonigan and Peter Newland. Well, as we've mentioned throughout the program today, the fifth and deciding test match... In England, between India and England gets underway tonight. England time at the Oval. England lead the series 2-1. They destroyed a disappointing India in the fourth test where India were bowled out inside three days twice. And really, with the rain coming, the test match could have been decided inside two days. That's how badly India batted. Can they recover and try and win a second Test match and level the series. Jared Kimber has been following the series closely, respected expat Australian cricket journalist, and he's on the line on Cow Corner today. Well, Jared, great to have you with us. Can India improve? Uh,
1: probably not. <laughs> to be fair, they are—they've been horrible. Uh, they've been. You know, when the old computer games, when someone's in the corner and they're trying to walk and they're walking into a wall and their feet are moving. That's essentially how they've played the last two tests. They couldn't have been much worse in uh, in Southampton. And then somehow they managed to be far worse in Old Trafford. So... I can't see how they'll improve. They might bring Ishant Sharma back. He's had this mystery leg injury. You know how modern cricket teams don't like to admit what the injury is. No one has a clue what it is. I've seen him running around. He looks as fit as a fiddle every time I see him. But if they bring him back, I suppose that's their best chance. He was the destroyer at Lord's, although I think he destroyed a broken England and somehow India have managed to put England back together. So I, I can't see how they can win this test.
2: Now, this might, might come across a little bit as a bit old school, Jared. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But what have India been doing in between games? I mean, the, the Old Trafford game was three days long. There's a test match now on Friday. There's been a fair bit of time in between um, the test matches. But I haven't noticed any sort of practice matches or in between games. What have they actually been doing to try and turn this around, uh, he, heading into a, what's effectively a deciding test match?
1: Very good question. Uh, MS dhoni has been at the shooting range. Uh, they had a paintball day. Uh, they've been. To, some of the players went to see Chelsea some of the other players went to see Man United um, occasionally they've turned up to training although I don't think donny has been to training very often uh, Ishan Sharma who's supposed to play also hasn't been um, training all that much um, so what have they been doing I, I mean I don't know it, it was supposed to be a back-to-back test uh, and they decided to take the days off and relax uh, apparently I think it was yesterday or the day before Very Kohli Um took charge of the training session because Dhoni wasn't there so uh, I think they're trying to get away from it and trying to give themselves a break there's no doubt that mentally they were shot at Old Trafford so it might be a master stroke but uh, from an old-fashioned cricket perspective <laughs> they're not exactly doing what you'd expect they're not hitting the nets hard and trying to work out new plans they're uh, enjoying London and, and uh, Manchester
0: Jared do they value test cricket enough away from home in particular
1: um uh, look, I think they do. I think Dhoni was really upset. Uh, it doesn't come across in press conferences, and it probably never will. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a press conference. I mean, you're you probably the sort of guy you could tell him that, you know, you kidnapped his whole family and he'd still react the same way as he would in as, as a test loss or as an IPL loss. He just doesn't react um, to the media, which is, I suppose is a good thing in India. Uh, behind closed doors, I've heard that Varit uh, Kohli and some of the other players are just furious. Coley uh, series at himself and everyone else and I think they're really upset because Tony came over here really thinking they could beat England they thought you know Mitchell Johnson had not knocked, knocked the sense out of England and then Sri Lanka had helped them by keeping them down and they really did believe they could win and coming out of Lords they were so excited thinking we're one nil up this team is absolutely shot let's go ahead um but they're I mean, the truth is that they're not really made um, to win consistently overseas. And they're batsmen who probably in the next five years might dominate world cricket right at the moment. You know, Shea Bajara really has been a non-event this, this series. Kohli uh, has been less than that. And Rahane uh, failed uh, when they really needed him at Old Trafford. So yeah, you know, if you are not making any runs, it makes it hard to beat England. And they've, they've basically allowed England to get their confidence back now.
0: Does England deserve some credit, though, Jared, for the way they performed in the last two tests?
1: I think they deserve credit for, uh, I mean, at the Oval. They couldn't have been at a a lower ebb. I mean, this is a team that still has a lot of good players in it. And, I mean, we're seeing over the last couple of tests, they have a lot of good young players in it. I mean, I think Australia would, you know, bite off your arm for someone like Balance just to be able to come into the team and just so at home and test cricket. Um, Even South Africa would be happy, you know, to get someone like that. So the fact that England did get to where they are, um, you know, so bad for 10 tests or 9 tests, just pathetic cricket, and then to come out of that and um, smash India twice, I think that they should get a lot of credit for that. I don't think all it, it answers all their problems. It certainly doesn't answer the problems of um Alistair Cook's captaincy and uh I, I still think they have problems over bowling their major players and and knowing Ali's had an amazing test series but I don't think he's uh, the long-term answer. Certainly as a frontline spinner. Uh, but yeah, I think they deserve credit because if you saw them at Lords, they, they couldn't have been much worse. They were absolutely pathetic the way that they played at times in Lords. So to come back from that and win the next two, tests, definitely. But let, let's not get out of ourselves. This is the fourth and fifth ranked teams in the world, and they've played like that most of this series.
2: So with nineteen wickets at twenty two point nine four, that's as that's as good as you want from a spinner. When we're talking about Mo and Ali uh, against India. You're saying that. Um, he may not be an answer long-term as the a, as a frontline line spinner. What does that say about the way the series has been played, then?
1: It doesn't say anything good. <laughs> prefer, uh, there's a really good article I read the other day about, basically, it's quite clear, and I think everyone has watched the series closely, it's quite clear that India had this plan, that they were going to come after him. Um, but it's, it's almost like they never really worked out the best way to come after him. I think the best way to go after him is... To essentially wait for his loose ball because he's only been a frontline spinner for his county for about two years, and every two to three overs, it does give you a half tracker or a full toss. What India have decided to do, it's literally come after him, um, and he's actually quite—he's a very smart guy, and he bowls in a very intelligent way. And when you're coming at him, it's almost—it's almost playing into his plan, whereas. In test cricket, you can just wait for the bad ball, and Indians can work him quite easily. And they've played him like idiots. they played him consistently like idiots. It was the same way that England played Ashan Sharma at, at Lords when they were trying to uh, hook him. Uh, it, it's just uh, idiocy in batting. And uh, they've given him a lot of wickets. I don't think in the long term that will ha- that, that will help. I think over the next two years, if he stays in the side. Uh, and let's not forget, he's, he hasn't looked particularly good with the bat since he made 100 um, at Headingley against Sri Lanka. But if he does stay in the Test series, Test side over the next two years, I think his bowling will probably eventually be uh, found out. Uh, it might be the, the period after that if he's still around that he becomes a good bowler, because what he needs to do is just bowl consistently at Test level to test himself. This has not been a test against India; they've just they've lined up to give him wickets over and over again.
2: Jared Kimber, we appreciate your time on Cow Corner. Enjoy the the final Test match of. Uh, what's been a long and interesting summer over there in England. Uh, we do appreciate
0: uh, your time as always.
1: No worries. Cheers, guys.
0: Jared Kimber, respected cricket journalist, who, of course, Pete, was part of the ABC commentary team during that magnificent Australian Test Series win against South Africa, keeping a close eye on the Test Cricket Series between India and England. And uh, they're an interesting cricket nation, India, and good to see England playing some good cricket. But as Jared said, Pete, I think it has a lot to do with how poorly India has played in the last two tests. Let's hope they can play a lot better in that final test at the Oval, which kicks off tonight, Australian time. The scores from overnight
2: South Africa A, 5 for 220, after the first day of the four day game with Australia A in Townsville. Stephen O'Keefe and Garinda Sandu, two wickets each for Australia A. And Sri Lanka, 8 for 261, after the first day of the second test against Pakistan in Colombo, playing in his final test match. Mahila Jaiwadina made four. And as we head out today, Dan, the stat of the week. It's, uh, I guess given the theme of our program, it's about India on the road. One of the, one of the themes today anyway. Uh, the last time India won two test matches in the Way Series was... It was a good series too. 1977-1978. That's two tests in the Way Series. So there you go. Uh, one, to, one to ponder there as we look forward to the Oval Test and what's ahead of us in
0: the next seven days in cricket. Look, looking forward to joining you at the same time next week now. Can't wait, Pete. Always plenty happening in the world of cricket. It'll be fascinating to see what happens at the oval.
2: Grandstand, ABC's
0: grandstand. 100 percent pure footy. It's another big weekend for AFL. He
2: sits it up. He awesome. struck it
1: beautifully!
0: And NRL. He's got ABC Grandstand will bring you all the action, live and commercial free. Grandstand football. For broadcast
1: details on this weekend's AFL and NRL coverage, check your local guide online at abc.net.au slash grandstand. Grandstand Digital. It's not just a radio signal. Grandstand Digital.
0: Grandstand Digital. You're listening to Grandstand. Grandstand Digital. Stay tuned right here on ABC Grandstand Digital.